Are you looking for a simpler life? Real information from real people without all the BS we're bombarded with today? Well, hey, I'm Gary Collins, the host of Your Better Life podcast. Make sure to go check it out. I'm a former intelligence officer, special agent, entrepreneur, and I'm here to give you the facts and give it to you straight so you can live the life you want. And make sure to check out my website, thesimplelifenow.com, where I sell all of my best-selling books, The Simple Life Series, Going Off the Grid, Living Off the Grid, and just flat out kicking some ass. Make sure to check it out, guys. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Good day, good folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show. Yes, strap in. This is the regular now. You guys are going to be getting at least two episodes per week because I'm just going to say it's a godsend. My new uh, producer, Corey, behind the scenes has been able to take so much off my plate that we can now start producing more content that you guys have been asking for, demanding here at the Brian Nichols Show, and I'm sorry, I just did not have the bandwidth, but now that I do, we are dropping more phenomenal episodes, and today we are having one of the OG members of the guests of the Brian Nichols Show, and that is the one, the only Dean Clancy, who was, I say, kind of like the first big name, if you will, here on the Brian Nichols Show. Now, Dean joined the show back way in 2018, I think it was in March of 2018, uh, to discuss the role, really, of political parties, how we accomplish liberty goals, but Dean today kind of joins to focus on one specific liberty goal, and it's one that I think is easy to uh, really, you know, get on board with, and that is HSAs for All, which is a, an organization that Dean's been leading. It's a nonprofit 501c4 organization founded right after our episode there in 21, uh, 2018, which really the goal is to get HSAs for every and all American, which would give them access to affordable, high-quality health care. And it's a tax advantage health savings account. So Dean joins the show today to give his argument of why, yes, health savings accounts for all is in fact the way we fix our broken healthcare system. So without further ado, on to the show, Dean Clancy, returning here to the Brian Nichols Show. Great to be here. Great to have you back, Dean. It's been a while since you and I last connected. I think uh, the last time we spoke was way back in 2018, and believe it or not, you were the first quote-unquote big-name guest I had here on the Brian Nichols Show, um, and I say that because obviously you, um, your, your history in, in Washington and in public policy um, is is absolutely a great resume. You you worked in the Reagan administration focusing on healthcare policy, um, former vice president of Freedom Works, and now you're focusing on uh, your, your, your passion project, that is healthcare, and uh, now you're leading health care savings accounts for all um so that being said dean a lot's been uh, going on between when we last connected so i guess what's going on besides you leading this new venture but also uh but going on in your personal life how things been going on your end and uh how, how have things been in the liberty movement from uh, your perspective well lots of questions and a very nice intro thank you and it's a pleasure to be back you know i didn't have any gray hair the last time we uh talked so a lot's gone on in the last couple of years <laughs> uh but you're right i've been uh, you know trying to help uh advance freedom as you do. And, uh, and it's a tough struggle. Um, you asked about my personal life. I'll just say everything's great. I'm married and have 
uh, four kids and two grandkids. And uh, I live in Florida these days, work from, from home. I'm, I, I'm in my office, which is also my bedroom. Five second commute. It's it's a good life. Not too so shabby. I, I know the, the, the commute is a lot easier when you don't have the guy in the left lane giving you the bird. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes I'm that guy, you know. And uh, no, it, it's it's great. And and I hope you're doing well. By the way, um, thank you. You know, I appreciate that. You know, it's it's funny. Um, before we we continue, you know, focusing on your venture, that's actually kind of been a reoccurring theme that I've seen. So my day job, actually, I I lead a sales team in telecommunication, and uh, the general theme, believe it or not, with people as we're reaching out and doing sales calls of all things. And actually a lot of people are working from home. So you think people would kind of be more abrasive getting calls at home for, for work, but the exact opposite has been what we've been experiencing in our experience. People are kind of nice, like for no reason, like they'll say, Hey, I hope you're, you're well, I hope your family's well. And as, as sales professionals, you're used to, you know, what we call an FFO, a firm F off um, every now and then, because at, you know, it, it's just, it's sales and, and you hear the word right. no so many times, but to hear people genuinely caring about their fellow man, but then you look in the streets and, and the narrative that you see in the news, it's the exact opposite. So I think there's a disconnect happening there somewhere, but yes, all is well. And I'm glad to hear that, you know, that's something that we can at least start the conversation of. At least things are going positive in, in our, our spheres of influence. And, and let's kind of go forward more towards, you know, what you're specifically doing sure. in your positive ventures, right? So I know last time we talked, we kind of focused more on high-level principles and, and ideology. Actually, we were talking about would a third party um, you know, be legitimate as an option in 2020, which is interesting where we stand today. I think maybe we'll touch on that a little bit later. But um, right now, a lot of Americans, they're at a boiling point. And I think part of the, the frustration right now is due to what we're seeing with the lockdowns. And you're seeing a very uh, a very large portion of Americans that who they have their, their health care associated with their jobs now all of a sudden being furloughed in mass. And it's almost entirely done by an arbitrary um, edict from on high from the governor's mansion and you name name the state. Uh, you know, I'm in Philadelphia. I'm originally from uh, New York State, two states that have not done too too hot. And, um, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people are saying, why is my health care tied to my business? Why, why should I not be able to go and buy health care? Like I buy car insurance or, you know, like I go to Walmart and buy my groceries. So, Dean, you've been doing a lot of work um, focusing on HSAs. So let's kind of start there, right? HSAs right. for all. Set the stage. What is an HSA? Because I know when I was, you know, getting new health insurance, I was getting thrown all these different three-letter acronyms that all stood for something, and HSA was one of them. So let's start there, and then maybe you can dig into why an HSA right now is currently tied to businesses and what you're pro- uh, proposing with your new uh, organization, HSA for all. Wow, that's great. You're right. Um, healthcare is obviously on everyone's mind this year uh, with the pandemic. A lot of people lost their jobs. And you're right. Healthcare tends to be tied to your job. Half the population gets its health benefits from their place of employment. If they lose their job, they lose their health care. That is a quirk of the American system. It comes from the tax code. Basically, there's a huge tax subsidy if you get health care from your employer but not if you just buy it out of the yellow pages or online. And that's a a, a serious problem. Now, uh, what is an HSA? It's a health savings account. You can think of it a bit like an IRA, which is an individual retirement account. It's tax-free like an IRA. And, um, but it can be a bank account. You don't have to put it in the stock market if you don't want to. Uh, But what's so great about it is it has a triple tax benefit. The money is not taxed going in, building up inside the account, 
or when you spend it out of the account. So it's completely untaxed money. And so you get more bang for your buck. You have to spend it on health care, however. That's the catch. It's a health savings account. And um, so you get, in effect, a 15 to 40% discount on everything you purchase with that money, depending on your tax bracket, because Uncle Sam isn't taking the money out. So it, this is a way to try to deal with the fact that uh, you get punished if you just try to buy health care on your own. There's really no effective deductibility of medical expenses uh, in this country, unfortunately, unless you have really high medical expenses. And as I say, you get punished unless you get a big expensive health insurance plan from your employer. So HSAs are a way to try to you know, fix that problem. And I've been very excited about them. I've tried to help enact them uh, back in the 90s. And then they, they came around in 2003. Congress finally did it. And today there are uh, almost 40 million uh, people benefiting from health savings accounts, so more than 10% of the U.S. population. And there is like almost $80 billion of money in these accounts. People are using them for the health care. You can save them for your retirement. You know, you can supplement your, your retirement health care costs. You can leave it to your heirs when you die. So the Uncle Sam doesn't take the money from you. So it's a wonderful tool. And it would do a lot, I think, to help people afford health care and uh, also, by the way, to bring down costs because people spending their own money are more frugal than when they're spending somebody else's money. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Um, it, it's funny. What was the uh, I forget who said it? I think it may have been uh, I'm paraphrasing either Friedman or, or uh maybe Rothbard here, but it's, it's conspicuously easy to be um, generous with other people's money when you yourself are not footing the bill. Um, and we see that in our healthcare system right now. And what's, what's interesting, Dean, is that what you're promoting, it's not controversial. So I guess my question would be, where's been the, the resistance? Why would anybody look at the idea of more access to affordable healthcare from the free market perspective, and you're utilizing something like a health savings account. Yes, it is tax-free, obviously. So the government's missing, you know, their their little portion that they they of course want and they claim they need so dearly. But hey, we can just go ahead and give the Fed a call, and they'll go ahead and print a couple trillion dollars. We've learned this this year. Um, so you know, I guess the question I would say is, where's the pushback coming from? Why is this not you know mainstream already? There's two sources of optimism, uh, excuse me, pessimism or skepticism or criticism of HSAs. One is liberals who believe that healthcare should be provided through bureaucracies like the government, Medicare for all, that idea. Um, and uh, uh, people who just think that a comprehensive you know, health insurance plan is the only way you should get your healthcare. The idea that you just spend money out of pocket is kind of uh, disturbing to these folks. The second source of opposition is the insurance companies. Yeah. <laughs> because there is a provision in the HSA statute uh, which is unnecessary and, and a problem. It basically says you may not have a health savings account unless you carry a specific, narrowly defined form of health insurance, a high, excuse me, high deductible health plan or HDHP. If you don't have that, you don't have an HSA, period. So the problem is only about 10% of Americans actually have access to that kind of health insurance plan. And since the insurers uh, would rather that you were in health insurance and not just spending money on your own, they don't like uh, the idea of expanding 
HSAs. So those are the two big sources of opposition. But we've been gaining ground in terms of persuading members of Congress uh, to do this. We've had several members introduce legislation to greatly expand access to HSAs by, you know, getting rid of that high deductible health plan requirement. Uh, just last week, uh, Senator Rand Paul uh, introduced the Health Savings Accounts for All Act, which would do just what I described. And that's, again, it, you, you hit the nail on the head, right? So the insurance companies, it's funny because I hear folks on the left and they'll rightfully point out and they'll say the insurance companies are the bad guys. And I'm like, yes, I agree. And they're utilizing government power to make, you know, make themselves really padded from any market consequences. And, and it's the ultimate contradiction. Like, here's a problem that was created by government. Let's solve it with more government. And, and I think when, when we talk about it and we're, we're so, you know, just objectively speaking, and you're, you can lay the facts on the table, you can identify the problem, but then you, you, you do start to have those, those conflicting interests. You have the, the lobbyists, right? You have the, the, the insurance corporations, and then you have the politicians themselves, and they, you know, do the backroom, smoke-filled room deals. And, and it really leads to your average person who they, they would much rather, I think, be able to approach healthcare like they approach going to the store. Um, you, know, I think if you were to have your average person and you were to say, listen, you can walk into the hospital and you see x-ray costs $200 and your MRI costs $400 and you know exactly what it's going to cost when you go in and, and you can pay that upfront or you know, whatever system you want to have a voluntary arrangement with the hospital versus having to go through you know, your insurance company via your, your business. And then the insurance company is making arbitrary agreements on behalf of you and the rest of the people that present with the hospitals directly where they can basically sit in, again, those other backroom deals and, and raise the prices arbitrarily. So I guess we're having a double-edged sword here, right? Where you have um, the insurance companies who are keeping the politicians beholden to um, you know this this current system we have in place. And then you also have, on the other side, a... An, <laughs> a disinformation um, you know, sector that has been trying to promote this mentality of expanding the power and scope and size of government as it pertains to the government's reach in healthcare. So, Dean, I think it'd be good, because my audience, it's, it's very diverse, and we have people from the left and the right, conservatives, libertarians, but also some socialists and, and democratic socialists, democrats, and I think... The problem is, is sometimes we approach um, our friends on the left as if they're they're ill-intentioned, and yes, there are some. I think we are, we're seeing that happen with the the, root, the looting and rioting. But for the folks who they genuinely look at government as a means to accomplish a positive right. end, right. right? Let's address the elephant in the room to them. That listen, we've tried this. You know, did the war on poverty end poverty with LBJ? I'm sorry, it didn't. Did the war on drugs with Nixon and every president thereafter end the war on drugs? No, it did not. Did the war on terror end? Terrorism, it did not. So, Dean, is the war on um, in, uh, very costly health care, is that a battle worth waging from a government standpoint? Well, the government's the wrong army to send into that battle. Pe- people can lower health care costs just by shopping. You know, um, we don't have grocery insurance. And when you go to the grocery store, there isn't somebody in the parking lot saying, now no, stop. Um, aisle six is the only one that's on your plan. Right. So if you don't buy anything from mile seven, or you're going to pay through the nose for that. Uh, and we're going to have to pre-authorize anything from, you know, the bottom two shelves, you know, so it's crazy that we, we depend on insurance. So no, people on the left are well-intentioned. They want to make sure everybody gets the healthcare they need when they need it at a cost they can afford. That's exactly what I think we all want. Amen. So yeah. What we disagree about is how's the best way to get there. And um, the fact is, science shows 
you know, mathematics, common sense shows that it just works better when people pay their own way. Now, what about the really expensive thing or the emergency, the unexpected? Well, that's why you have insurance. So just to be clear, HSAs are not a substitute for good insurance that really protects you against a catastrophic event. People need that. People should be able to buy that. And one of the tragedies of the uh, of Obamacare is it basically tried to outlaw real insurance and impose this kind of prepaid benefit system dictated by politicians. And we need to kind of move away from that, let people have real insurance plus their own savings, let them actually pay cash up front, negotiate, ask the doctor, you know, how much will this cost? That's, by the way, is my definition of success on health policy. When most people are saying, hey, doc, how, how much would that cost? Then I know we've won. And then the prices are going to come down. The quality is going to go up. Everybody's going to have more. The pie is going to grow. It's going to be great. And, and I think it's important to then address the next uh, obvious concern that's going to be raised up from our friends on the left. And they're going to say, well, Dean, what about the people who can't afford health insurance? What about your person who they need the, the public option? They need Medicare. They need Medicaid. What's the solution then for those folks? Well, if you had real functioning markets, um, you wouldn't need nearly so gigantic a safety net system as we have, a very wasteful and in many ways disruptive system. I, you know, most people support safety nets. They don't want anyone dying on the sidewalk. And that's reasonable. But the safety nets could be so much smaller and more efficient, just targeted to the people who really are in a difficult situation. The rest of us, frankly, should be able to pay our own way. And when we need a little help, we get it primarily, we hope, from our family, our neighbors, our church. And then only as a last resort from the government. It shouldn't be government first. It should be government last. And, um, and the, but the fact is, markets do work in healthcare. One of the problems over the last 50 years has been this unquestioned assumption that, well, healthcare is different. Markets don't work in healthcare. The patient doesn't have enough information. The, uh, it's too complicated. And it, unfortunately, a culture has developed where people now are afraid of prices in healthcare. They don't want to ask how much things cost. But if people actually had the money to spend, you know, by through their own savings and uh, maybe very narrow safety nets, they wouldn't be so uh, timid about it. And um, so anyway, I hope you, I've answered your question adequately. Yeah. But- no, no. And I think you also you start to did- touch on another problem we have, right? And, and that is that a lot of Americans, they don't have enough savings currently. I think I, I, the most recent statistic I saw was that only like it's like 30% of your average Americans have more than $500 in the bank for an emergency. Oh, yeah. So, um, and, and I'm probably, you know, off in that number, but ballpark, even regardless, that's still a horrifying number, but it's not uncommon. And I think right. that also speaks to part of the problem we currently have in terms of, how we've 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 so lived beyond the the means that we should be living as a society, and unfortunately, you know, I I, I say this, I've been speaking to to folks. So a gentleman named Gary Collins is a good um, personal friend and mentor, and he's been doing uh, a series called the Simple Life um, book series, and really, it's about off the grid living, and it's it's focused on really eliminating the fluff, focusing on the things that truly matter. And really it, it's about bringing balance to your life. The, he calls it the three-legged stool, your financial health, your your physical health, and then your sense of purpose. And once you're able to really refine those three things, 
then you as a person, once you've made you <laughs> the right version of yeah. yourself, then you can start to, you know, try to help others, right? But I think we as a society, we've so lived beyond our means, we've so started to focus on other people before focusing on ourselves that we've almost, um, we've started to reflect our own, um, you know, our dissatisfactions with ourselves in policy trying to create or correct the behaviors that we ourselves are doing. So for example, right? Look at California. California is probably one of the most positively intentioned states in all of its laws that's passed. And it is just literally a dumpster fire from not only its financial perspectives, but I mean, literally you walk outside and you're going to see piles of God knows what on the streets, mainly because all these positive intention programs and policies that have been passed by predominantly our friends on the left have led to all these negative intentions. So with that being said, Dean, I guess I would, I would say right now we're going into an election season and, and this is been on the minds of almost everybody in the Liberty movement, right? We're looking at somebody like Trump and you look at somebody like Joe Biden and there's really, there's no good solution. It's, it's, it's really pick your poison, you know, pick your, your lesser of two evils. And then you have someone like Dr. George Jorgensen. She's, you know, the business psychology professor from Clemson. She's well-spoken, articulate, and she, you know, she hasn't been accused of sexual assault by anybody. So that's a positive, right? Um, so you have someone like that and then you get told you're not going to win. And there's merit to that argument because right now the chances of a libertarian going to win, not too high, especially with all that's going on in the world right now, where I think there's been a warming up of sentiment towards Trump. So I guess, Dean, when we're looking at actually implementing some real successful reform. Let's specifically talk here about your HSA for all promote uh, idea. And obviously Rand Paul being a Republican, bringing this up on the floor of the Senate. I think I already know the answer, but I would just maybe help tell me I'm wrong. Is supporting someone like a Donald Trump, the best means of accomplishing some real free market solutions as it pertains to healthcare or are those in the liberty movement just tossing their votes away by voting for a guy who sometimes, as Ben Shapiro say, when he's got a hammer, he'll hit a, a nail, and the other times he's hitting a baby? Hmm. Wow. Well, this is kind of what we talked about in 2018, and a little bit, yeah, that much. I mean, it's still a two-party system with both parties being very similar, uh, in some ways corrupt, uh, resistant to change. If anything, it's gotten harder to change things, and that's. That's really, I think, the great frustration of our democracy is people get involved, they donate money, they they act online, they try to persuade their neighbors, and nothing changes. And um, it is very frustrating. I'll just tell you a personal anecdote as an answer to your question, and then I'll answer your question about HSAs. Um, in the 2016 election, I vowed publicly ne- never to vote for Donald Trump. I refused to vote for him in the primaries. Uh, and I was not going to vote for him on election day. I was mm-hmm. going to vote for the Libertarian candidate or maybe the Constitution Party candidate. I can't remember if the Libertarian was on the ballot. But it got to about uh, 1 p.m. on election day. My kids all along have been saying, Dad, you're crazy. You've got to vote for Trump. We can't have Hillary. And I'm like, but I, I just want to cast a protest vote. I want to be able to say I didn't vote for this guy when he you know, flames out. And... Um, then it became apparent that he could actually win this thing. I was assuming he was going to lose. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm, I'm living in a swing part of a swing state, and he might actually win. It could be really close. I, you know, so I sucked it up, and I pulled the lever for Donald Trump. And, um, and I don't regret it. I mean, 
has he been a dumpster fire in a lot of ways? Absolutely. Um, has, has our politics sunk, you know, so that now we've got this kind of nationalist populist guy, talk show, the reality show person as our president? Yeah, it's lamentable. But I still don't regret it. Now, 2020, what do I think people should do? Well, I, you should always vote your conscience. You should allow all factors to influence your conscience. If you can cast a protest vote in good conscience, by all means do it, because that helps to put pressure on the mainstream candidates. It helps to hold them accountable. That's what I wanted to do in 2016 and ended up choking at the last second and not doing. Um, so I'm not going to tell people how to vote, uh, but you can obviously see where I tend to come down. Uh, now to answer your question about HSAs. That's an example of what I would call a kind of libertarian policy, you know, letting people save their, use their own money for healthcare. Um, that is becoming mainstream. In, in the 90s, when I was eagerly trying to help pass this idea, Senator Ted Kennedy was dead set against it. He was determined to kill this thing in its crib. He knew that it could become a threat to his dream of national health insurance. And he managed to hold it off for years, but it finally did get through. And uh, now, as I say, 10% of the U.S. population has an HSA. And we're moving to the next stage of making the HSAs available to everyone. And Rand Paul, a man that a lot of people think of as a libertarian, is making this a flagship healthcare issue. So I feel like whether you wear the big L on your chest or vote for the the big L Libertarian Party candidates, you still have to be involved in the system and shape it and move it. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's literally the goal of politics. And I think we discussed this in our last episode, right? The goal of politics is quite literally to advance policy by using government power. Now we can have you know, the libertarian, you know, Facebook group argument all day long, and people will do that about whether, you know, that's the role. And I and that's honestly not the argument, because they're they're playing Monopoly and we're playing checkers. And and until we're willing to play the same game, then we're, we're going to be relegated to the little kid's table. Um, and to your point, we're seeing some success. I mean, uh, Rand Paul is is a Republican. He's leading the charge on actually getting HSAs for all, you know, to the, the public. You have somebody like Thomas Massey, who's leading the Prime Act, and he's a Republican, and he's getting the message out there. You have folks like, yes, Justin Amash with a big L next to his name now, um, you know, leading the, the push for ending qualified immunity. So we have some stalwarts who they've been associated with the GOP for pretty much their entire Republican careers with the exception being that of Amash in the past year or so. But regardless, right. I see the argument. I mean, Corey DeAngelis, he's um, the head of the reason, uh, I think it's the reason education foundation, um, or I'm probably butchering the name, but you know, his main proponent is, or uh, his main thing he focuses on is proponing school choice. And Trump has retweeted him multiple times. Corey is, Easily the best voice that libertarians have on school choice in the entire movement and Trump's retweeting him like that's kind of a big deal. And and it goes to, I guess, you know, and and I'll I'll end my part here and I'll let you have the last word. I'm much more in the the vision and ideas of building bridges and, and building those bridges where we can with people who at the very least agree with, you know, our definition of rights right and as long as we're you know we're on the right side of the, the argument with ne- negative versus positive rights like we i think then at that point we can have a conversation because so long as you're not asking your right to make you know require somebody else's labor 
Let's go. Like, you want to do a voluntary society where you can do, you know, whatever vision of democratic socialism you have, go for it. Just don't make me pay for it, right? So as long as we can agree... Leave me alone. Exactly. And as long as we can agree on those fundamental principles, I will be your ally all day long, right? So I guess I, I will I will say I am growing much more sympathetic to the argument from folks who are, you know, either they're small L libertarians and they're not affiliated with a party or small L libertarians in the GOP, that the GOP is is definitely a means not only to, uh, you know, spread the ideas of liberty, but actually now move policy forward despite Trump being Trump. <laughs> am, am I off base, Dean? No, you're exactly right. And two, two thoughts uh, came to mind while you were just talking. One is, you know, a Thomas Massey is a treasure. God bless him. He's, he's, yes, he's got an R on his chest rather than an L, but we all know where his heart is and he's helping to influence and hold other people accountable. And he's funny and, you know, it's, it's delightful to have such a man in office. He's great. Second, I reminded, I saw a meme the other day and it was basically, you know, in big letters, it basically said, you know, um, our principles are important, but this election is more important, you know, and then it had, you know, 1992 and then a line through it, 1996, a line, you know, basically it's always next year in Jerusalem. Next year, we're going to do the principled stuff, but this, we can't do it now. Can't get to your agenda now. But I think what happens is sometimes the politicians do become uh, open-minded or desperate. You know, Trump in this um, pandemic has realized school choice is a winner. I'm going to make it winner. a winner for me. Right. So was he principled? Is he a libertarian? No, but he sees benefit politically in promoting this idea of school choice. So God bless him. And homeschooling has taken a, a, a nice uh, boost, you know, in this situation, not the way we would have wanted, but, but it's good. And, you know, the lockdowns have been terrible. I hope uh, Americans have gotten a reminder of, of big government, you know, from, from these needless lockdowns. I think the first couple of weeks it made sense, but after that, it's like, 15 days to slow the spread, Dean. Come on. We're 100 days in. We're getting there. But hey, um, you know, with that being said, Dean, you're you're doing a lot of great work, um, you know, obviously promoting healthcare policy reform and it's something that you've been doing for decades. And and honestly, we need more folks like you who will will fight the good fight and honestly, you're doing it in the belly of the beast, right? So we need more folks who are willing to, to, you know, take that route, whether it's going behind the scenes in policy or, or the Thomas Massey approach, you know, go into the belly of the beast, you know, in the front lines with a smile on your face, wear the precious pin and, and at least have some fun with it. Um, you know, I was watching Thomas Massey's documentary there over at Free the People off the grid and you get to see, you know, he's a real person. And that's, I think people in politics, they forget that your average person, they just want an average person. And you don't necessarily need to be the average person, but you need to be able to sell that you're the average person. That's honestly why AOC is so freaking dangerous because to your average person, yeah. she is an average person. She and, and quite honestly, Dean, she was. She was a bartender. And I mean, it's it's sickening that she will say, I can go from bartender to Congress, but not anybody else can. So that that there's something a little perverse in, in being able to say that. But I look at her story as a libertarian. I say, good for you, girl. Like you, you put in the blood, sweat and tears and you actually, you proved our argument, right? That if you take personal responsibility, you try to better yourself, that then you will put yourself in position to, to better your communities. And it's funny when you have folks like AOC who are actually living our principles and proving our point, but they don't even, don't even realize it. 
but it's it's fun for us, right? Because we can at least smile and say, hm, "Told you so." So with that being said, Dean, uh, if if folks want to see you say "Told you so" to a lot of folks, where can they go ahead and follow you on social media so they can stay up to date with all that's happening? Um, but also, where can folks go ahead and uh, read all the great policy work you're doing for healthcare? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Dean Clancy. There's no E in Clancy, and uh, you can read about HSAs for all at our website, HSAsforall.org. Easy enough. And I will make sure I include all the links to that in the show notes. Dean Clancy, thank you so much. As always, a fantastic conversation here on The Brian Nichols Show. Oh, my pleasure. All right, folks. Scott Scarpa, my conversation with Dean Clancy, HSAs for all. What do you think? I'm on board. I mean, if you think this is the right approach to uh, at least starting to have a conversation about how to fix our broken healthcare system, which I dare say it is, then do me a favor, uh, go ahead and share today's episode and make sure you tag not only yours truly here on uh, social media at Liberty on Twitter, Facebook, and Minds.com, but be sure to tag our guest, Dean Clancy, and I'm sure Dean uh, will give you a nice retweet uh, or a share. I know I will, um, but also if you tag the We Are Libertarians page, you'll get a nice retweet from there as well. Uh, and with that being said, guys, uh, if you want to reach out to me, because, I mean, Corey and I right now behind the scenes are, are so busy. The next two months, I literally have guests lined up like every other day. So you guys have a lot of awesome episodes coming down the pike. But as always, I want, I demand from you guys to continue to give me some awesome guest ideas. So with that being said, email me, Brian, at BrianNicholsShow.com. I appreciate every guest suggestion. So if it if it is a guest that you represent, if you yourself want to be on The Brian Nichols Show, or if you are interested in advertising, yes, we are guys, we are growing. We are, and I cannot believe, number one, I'm so humbled by the download numbers. Thank you so much. The past, you know, few months, especially you guys have been, you know, just humbling me. I cannot believe the support. Uh, you guys actually made, uh, July our second highest downloaded month ever. Um, so, so thank you to, to that. Um, but if you guys want to hop on right now, cause podcasts are growing, this is the, the way of the future. If you have a small, uh, business, or if you have a service, a product, uh, whatever it may be, and you want to advertise, here in the Brian Nichols Show, do me a favor, email me, brian at briannicholsshow.com, or my producer, Corey, Corey at briannicholsshow.com, or heck, send it to both of us, why not? Uh, because here at the Brian Nichols Show, uh, you know, we definitely are looking for the best, the brightest folks out there to be a part of, uh, you know, a growing organization here, part of the We Are Libertarians Network, so if you're a, a new company out there and you're just trying to get your name out there, again, brian at briannicholsshow.com, but guys, one last ask. I, I swear, my last ask. You, you should know this by now, and it is, yes, please head over to Apple Podcasts. I know I ask every single time uh, we, we wrap up the show here. I ask you because, honestly, this is how more people see our name, The Brian Nichols Show, in their, their news feeds. This is how they see it more on their timelines, and they're looking for a libertarian podcast, or they're looking for an alternative to the mainstream. That requires, unfortunately, in the, the area we find ourselves in, some social proof, right? And you guys are providing that by giving us those five-star rating and reviews. So Apple Podcasts, guys, I appreciate again. Uh, and a special shout-out again to our, our sponsors, uh, Gary Collins, The Simple Life Podcast, Mark Clare from Lions of Liberty, and all the other great shows they have over there. By the way, go check out that interview, um, interview slash debate between uh, Dave Smith and Andy Craig. Whew, man. And then one final episode you guys need to watch. Uh, watch. And uh, I say this because I was a part of it, right? I know this is usually a, a much quicker wrap-up, but this is probably one of the most important episodes I've ever been on. Um, and it was on the big channel. And it's episode 456, and it's called Political Conversations When We Disagree. So Chris Spangle from the big channel, Harry Price, Reinhold, yours truly, Hody Johns, and Ryan Lindsay are uh, our Democratic Socialists 
on the uh, the We Are Libertarians uh, uh, network, we we had a conversation because believe it or not, a lot of us disagree, and that's okay. And it was a conversation about how to have conversations, especially uh, when you know times are tough. It, it's you know we're going through a pandemic, economic hardship, and guess what? There's a lot of intense emotions around this this campaign. Uh, I, I'm sure if you went to any events this past Labor Day, you saw Trump signs and Biden signs galore. Um, and it's tough to have these conversations. So I ask you to head over to episode 456, give it a listen, because I think it will give you a great blueprint of how to have these very, very, very tough conversations with people that I think we all acknowledge we, we care about, we love, it's just we disagree with. And that's okay. And I think you'll leave the conversation realizing that, yeah, it's okay that we disagree. So with that being said, guys, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Dean Clancy. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.